Welcome to the Nature's Image Farm podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm Greg. And I'm Susan. And together we're raising seven kids on the farm and learning life lessons along the way. So pull up a chair, rest your heels, and let's talk all things bees, homesteading, and the old time ways. Let's get after it. If you're interested in nukes, packages, queens, or supplies, visit us on the web at naturesimagefarm.com. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Nature's Image Farm podcast. Glad to see you here on another Sunday night. Good evening. Uh, shout out to all the folks who are uh, jumping on tonight. We always love to see you here every week on the Homestead Sunday Night Chats. Uh, there's always something new to talk about, always something going on. And no, we're not talking about Chinese balloons tonight. Or are we? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> You just never know what's going to pop up and on the oh, chats here. Is that punny? Is pop that, up? Oh, oh, I see. I wasn't even trying to be punny. That's just when you have this many years of being a dad and after this many kids, you're sometimes oh. you just, just the punny stuff. It just happens. Yeah, that's true. You do say a lot of funny things. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed your weekend. Had a good Sunday uh, with family and friends getting caught up doing the things that you need to do. And uh, as you, everyone knows, there is something lurking right around the corner, uh, no matter if we want to accept it or not. Spring is coming. And are you ready? I'm ready. Well, no, I'm not ready, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> well, we're going to talk tonight about getting ready because it is really re easy to get left behind, uh, especially when spring is knocking at the door, whether you hear the knock or not, spring's coming. And uh, there's a, a, a lot of us have been caught by the short hairs and um, it's, it's really hard to get back on track. And we're going to dig deep into this tonight. Um, it, yes, this has to do with bees, but it has to do with a lot of things in life too, including homestead life. That's right. Yeah. It, it'll take you, it'll take you by the tail or it'll, <laughs> you can be, we, you can be prepared for it kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. the best you can prepare. Well, well, uh, shout out to a bunch of our friends here that are joining us tonight. Joy Walkenspaw, uh, Mac Apiary Bees, our buddy Tennessee, Tim McCandless, David Lewis, Shake and Bake 6869. We've got uh, Bee Bum, John Hatch, Jonathan Bennett, Honey Store, uh, Matthew Zodarecki, our buddy, local buddy, Steve I Moody. I said that wrong. Honey Stone? Honey Stone Farm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I can't see very good. No, I'm not getting my eyes checked. I don't even have my glasses on and I saw that. We have our buddy Randy, Tar Heel uh, Beekeeper, Brad Hutchins, uh, Stacy Waltman. Uh, good to see you guys in there. Chris from Drop Tine Farms has been busy tapping. Oh, no. oh, He's coming so in, Sugar Bush. Um, that's awesome. We have um, uh, Todd over at Loma Vista Bee. Uh, he's, Tom. he's Hi, Tom. He's clear. Oh, up. no, no. He's talking to somebody else. Okay, sorry. He's, uh, our buddy Todd Prater. He's up in California just <laughs> enjoying all that. Uh, I mean, they got some rain. They got they were they were pretty wet. But uh, can you imagine? He's probably like, you know, roughing it. It's probably Todd. It's probably, you know, six, low, stop, it's probably stop. of low of nope, 64 stop. degrees right now. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know. What do I do? Do I put my Crocs in regular mode or do I put them in sports mode? I, I don't know what to do with the weather here. Oh. I just I want to I'm not. Uh, 
he just likes to rub it in there. So, uh, anyways, I hope um, everyone has got to enjoy, in. enjoy yep, the Hannah good to see you, Hannah. Uh, I hope that Joseph Rawls, Lawson's Creek, uh, Tony's West Bees from uh, Southern Ohio, Adams County. Awesome. It's it's always fun seeing everybody in here um, tonight. So uh, fun fun little story. Um, if um, I don't know, I'm I'm. What story are you telling now? Hold on. Which one? Do we need I, to take notes first. I need to take a coffee. compare notes. I need a coffee break here. <laughs> what are we saying here? <laughs> as, you, as you can see, I'm still I'm still in my farm work clothes Stick here. Stick to the notes, Greg. <laughs> um, yeah, let, I mean, let me get a charge. This. It's been a long weekend. Greg's been redoing our bathroom. Long-awaited bathroom redo, um, and so it's not going as planned, like most things in life. Can't plan for the unexpected bathroom hazards, so he you doesn't know, want to talk about it. If you're on the homestead, you get it. Um, <laughs> if you've bought an old house, an old fixer-upper, you'll get this too. But you, the second you go, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take this wall out. Or I'm gonna do this, and then you find, oh my gosh, there's vent pipes, and there's mystery wires, and there's this, and there's that, and nothing is. You're just sometimes you just you have to work through it. It's a lot. we have we have a plan though. Here was the plan. Here's what we we're trying to do. Here's how we want to get there. And when things go sideways, we have the plan to fall back on. So let's get in that a little bit tonight. Is um, I know you guys have all heard the, the, the phrase, if you, um, if you fail to plan, then plan to fail. That's right. I don't, that is, it's really hard on the homestead. It's really hard if you're starting a bee yard, if it's a new garden, if you're raising animals for the first time. Sometimes it's really hard to put that plan together. Because you don't have the experience to get from point A to point B. And so you don't know what that looks like. A lot of us are um, notorious for the fake it till you make it. We just will figure this thing out as we go. And that's awesome. That That is the pioneering spirit. You know, if you can imagine being on that Oregon Trail and going all the way out west with, not, with having no idea what's past the horizon, what dangers are ahead, if you're going to make it, but you have that spirit to dig in to do it, that is awesome. And I think that's what the modern the modern day homesteaders are they're, they're the modern day pioneers. And we're trying to figure a lot of these things out. And sometimes you do have the enough experience to make good choices, and sometimes you don't. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what can we do uh, uh, to make your ever. And there's a lot of things that we can we can do um, to kind of do that. So what do you say we 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 get in there and uh, we start hashing it out. Let's do it. As you look back, Susie, as, from to, to last year, what was something that you felt like you really did well on the home? I didn't think we were talking about mine. My, jeez. Oh, okay, just, well, I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't have well, notes for that. You kept all seven kids alive. Okay, so I did. I, I kept all seven kids alive. I kept them all fed and watered. Um, I put up a lot of food. I did not expect to do meat birds and I did them unexpectedly. So unprepared, I didn't plan on that. That was not something I had in my spring summer plans and did it anyway. Um, so we planted the garden, harvested a lot of food, did meat birds, kept everybody alive. You look tired just thinking about it. I was trying to think back. What did I like? I tell you, one of the things that I think that you did really well last year okay. is cracking the whip on me in a good way, keeping me on track. 
um, the, the, the constant communication, the constant back and forth. Where are we? Um, where are we trying to go? How far off the track are we? Are we on track? How are we, are we, you know, I probably don't remember a lot of the things that I do on a yearly basis because they've become so routine. Yeah. Uh, what I do remember about my last year was where I stepped in more to the B side of right. the homestead life. Um, you know, so I hadn't been quite as involved as I had last year. If I can brag on you a little bit, one of the things that really helped us grow the bee yard out um, last year and to keep it growing and to keep it healthy is you took a lot of initiative with the kids to get out there and stay on top of feeding. Um, you had the instant vape out there and you were just murdering mites and you did a fantastic job of just taking the initiative and that and we had the teamwork, but we had something in place that we knew what the goal was. Um, and so it was a little bit easier with the, with the more experience you get, the easier it is to actually put that plan in place. Well, what do you do if you don't, if you're not quite there yet? What if you don't have enough experience or you don't feel like you have enough experience to get from point A to point B? How in the world can you put a plan together if you don't know what that looks like? Well, let's, let's get into it. I think one of the, one of the things that as I look back last year, I think one of the things that we did the absolute best, it was teamwork. Well, I think, yeah. So in, you know, taking a, a, a minute to have some honest reflection when you, when you take that moment and you say, okay, what did I do right? And what did I do wrong? My wins and my fails. That's important when you're trying to plan for a new year is to look back at the year prior and say, what did I do really well? And what didn't I do very well? And some people are super great at that. Um, you, I think you're really good at picking out your wins and fails. Um, I am better at picking out my failures than my wins. Yeah. Um, so I think it's your personality. So, so if you know that you're, you're good at picking out your flaws or picking out your failures, then have somebody else help you show you where you won. What did you do really good at? And so if that's your spouse, Greg's really good at telling me, man, you really did a good job at whatever. Okay. Uh, you know, the 200 jars of tomatoes that we didn't need. Um, <laughs> you did a really good job of putting all those up. But um, so if you know that you, you don't do well at that, ask somebody else in your life close to you that watched you do that. Um, what they thought you did really well this year. Um Maybe you didn't realize that you gave so much honey away that you made or that uh, so you were you were great at giving. Maybe you helped friend that wanted to get into bees. So maybe you became kind of a mentor to somebody. Um, and maybe those weren't your goals at all, but you did it anyway. So or, you know, maybe you got really good at killing bees. <laughs> well, that's the thing is no, no matter if no matter what's. I think it, and I don't know I, there. I, well, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm just going to say it. I don't think that we were as good as honestly looking back to the years prior, the first couple years when we were, when we were, you know, first getting started, you're, you're so overwhelmed with, yeah. with take out a figure you're, you are so neat, you know, just waist deep in, in the muck and mire of um, the school of hard knocks at homesteading that, it's really hard to all, all you're looking at is, man, I didn't do this or man, I didn't do that or really yeah. want to. 
But the more experience you get, the easier it is, I think, to look back humbly with no ego, no pride to just look back and say, okay, hey, there we have an entire larder full of canned goods. Well, Susie nailed it. She did a great job in the garden. The kids helped. Everything was awesome. That's cool. Look in the beer garden. They can, man, look at all these colonies that we have going into the winter that are looking good. They're looking strong. They're an asset and a resource that we can use for next year. Okay, let's let's look take a look. What were the contributing factors that got us here? And so that's easier year after year to kind of look at that. But what do you do? You know, when you don't have that kind of experience, it's hard to to, to put a plan together. Um, but if we can learn to be uh, with no pride, no ego, with humility, look back at our experience and say, okay, what what can I take away from this? What do I want to yeah. repeat? What do I want to build on? What do I want to do better? What do I want to just put aside? Because a lot, folks, let's be honest, a lot, a lot of, of homesteading, uh, if, if, if we all had a tattoo um, or we all had that T-shirt, it, it would be uh, homesteader. The definition would be biting off more than you can chew and finding and figuring out how to eat it cold. That is the typical homesteader's way. Ugly tattoo. <laughs> it'd be pretty big. It'd be a pretty big <laughs> tattoo. So uh, one thing I wanted to throw out there is, is you have to be able to, yes, look back at experience. But if you don't have the experience, how in the world can you plan? How, can, how in the world can you use your prior experience um, to base your future decisions on? Well, uh, um, here's something that I want to out. Maybe start at the end. Okay, so how do you start at the end? Right. Sounds what? crazy. How can you start at the end of a journey to figure out where you want? Bear with me. Okay. Follow me, okay? Sometimes if you say, here I am right now, and I am at this particular point in my journey, let's, let's, let's use uh, beekeeping, for instance. And let's say I have two beehives. I have two colonies, okay. right? And then I want to put a plan together this year. Well, you have to ask yourself a few questions. You have to ask yourself, well, what do you actually want out of this year? What experience do you want this coming year? And write that down. So you're, you're projecting all the way to the end of the season and say, I want to be here at fall going into wintertime. This is the experience that I want to have. So let's say for the beekeeper, let's say I want to have 10 colonies going into the wintertime. Let's say your goal is I want to pull 500 pounds of honey. Maybe your goal is I want to sell 50 nukes. Maybe your goal is I want to raise a thousand queens. Okay. I'll make a timeline and go, go from here I am all the way to where you think you want to be and write that down and then walk it backwards, walk it all the way back. Okay. Let's, let's talk about that. If I, if I'm at two colonies now, let's go backyard beekeeper, backyard okay. beekeeper. Let's say the backyard beekeeper is growing and wants to go from two colonies to 10. Well, how do two colonies to 10 going into the wintertime? Well, we need to have, we need to have a yield or we need to, have growth of eight colonies somehow. Either we're catching swarms, we're making splits. You know, those those are going to cost money. There's going to be equipment. Let's let's walk it back and say going uh, into December, I'm going to have ten colonies that I want to overwinter and let's say double deeps. Well, ten colonies and double deeps. That's forty boxes, ten bottoms, ten tops. Right. That's two hundred frames. You start doing the math on the physical aspects of it. Well, I need these pieces of equipment. And let me walk that all the way backwards to where I am now. What do I have right now? Well, I have, I don't have any of it. Well, you have to then start thinking about securing your equipment and getting, getting to that point. So that gets you immediately from point A to point B, and you can slowly start to walk it 
drafted back. Okay. Ten colonies going into the wintertime. Well, we're splitting. We're catching swarms. They're growing. We're, we got to also think about all the other things that go into it. Right. Feeding, keeping them healthy. This might include mite treatments. This might include um, feed. This might include pollen patties. A lot of these things are going to be hard for you to necessarily jot out and say, I need to have this, this, and this. But if you have, you know, some, some bee buddies or there's someone you can call or email and say, Hey, I'm have two colonies. I want to grow to 10. What does that look like as far as equipment goes, you know, reach out to somebody like us where we can tell you, Hey, okay. If you want 10 colonies, here's exactly the pieces of equipment that you might need per colony. If you figure, let's say you might have to feed them, you know, three to four gallons of feed. Okay. Here's, here's an expense for that. Here are some, some types of feeders that you can use. You also might have to think about how many pollen patties um, per colony. Maybe it's with just one one pounder. Maybe it's four one pounders. Maybe it's none. Um, it all, so there's so many little factors in there. But if you start from at the at the end of the journey and walk it back, sometimes it gives you that point of reference on a piece of paper that you can actually see the end. Like this is attainable or right. wow, I need to adjust my goals. Exactly. Okay. And then you can start saying, okay, well, this here's all the equipment that I need. What's that going to cost? And then you can start doing some cost analysis on, okay, here's, here's what it's going to take to get there. Yeah. And then, and then you might find, you know what, man, 10 colonies. That might I, be, I don't know that I have the, I don't know that I have the the, the money for that right now. Um, but let's like, you know, and then you, so then you can start thinking, okay, you can start tailoring it to actually match the program to meet where you are, you know, and we'll get into that later on this year, cash flowing, um, even a backyard uh, beekeeping operation. How do, how do we cash flow this? where the bees are paying for themselves or the yield off of this, you know, so we're not constantly dumping money into a hobby, getting this to actually make money to be, to be profitable, yeah, to be financially sustainable, to be physically sustainable. So we can keep enjoying to do this year after year after year. I feel like that was one thing you were really good at at the be the, from the very beginning is thinking like a commercial or back a uh, sideline or beekeeper even as a backyard beekeeper, because you look at everything with the eyes of how can we make this not necessarily profitable, but sustainable. Like how can we make this so that we're not dumping money into it? Um, like some other hobbies out there. Now, if that's all you want to do is just use it as a hobby, you don't need to make money or at least break even at it. Then that's totally cool too. But that's one thing I think you've always been really good at, no matter which, whatever we do, if it's pigs, chickens, you know, honey production, whatever it is, bees. Um, yeah, that's, kind of always think like that. That's um, well, I think that'd be a great topic for for later. You know, if you folks are familiar with our logo, you'll see that it says Nature's Image Farm, and then underneath it says the Contrary Farmstead. Well, what does that mean? What does the the logo mean? <laughs> Let's. I think we should tackle that on on another episode. But the contrary farmstead, what what to us the, the farmstead was a, um, it's it's a business model. So a, a farmstead is is something right in between a homestead, um, and a farm. It's a homestead that's ran as a business. It's a homestead that says if my family, um, if if we need one hog, every single year for pork, minimum. How many, if, and if, if we're going to raise that one hog, how many hogs do I have to raise on top of that to where my hog 
is free or is, I've, I'm at a break even point that that break even point now where for every one hog that for us, what we found for every one hog that we raised, we had to raise two to sell those two that we sold covered ours at, and so we had pork and all the high quality cuts um, at no cost other than the, the labor that we had to raise the three. And of course we tried scaling that to three and five and seven and 15 and it goes on. Um, and that's a horse of a different color. And for that's a story for another day, but the farmstead model is something that we have always um, has always been important to us because as a frugal shoestring farmer, um, as a large family on a homestead, there is not money laying around to just throw at, Hey, here's a beekeeping enterprise or here is a, let's go into a forest raised beyond organic pastured pork. No, like we have to try to make all these things make sense. Literally dollars and cents. Yeah. Um, you know, the homestead life can be very, very um, simple and be complicated and um, it can be expensive, but it can be very expensive. <laughs> it can be really expensive if you're not thinking about it as uh, to have a break even point. You can totally dump money into it. The, the difference between homesteading. Oh, that was sweet, John. The difference between homesteading and golf is at least with homesteading, <laughs> you can eat bacon to eat. You know? Oh, I don't want to go into golf. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> John Lawler here says, uh, Greg has been great when we've had our talks with getting me to think ahead. One, one of the things that I uh, am uh, absolutely am passionate about and I love to do um, is for our learning yard folks, our folks who are local that are that they're supporting us. Um, by buying nukes and uh, packages and queens and supplies. I love to spend time with them face-to-face -face in person, answer those questions. Um, a lot of them, like John um, and his wife, uh, they're, they've are they got a new outfit called the Shekinah Honeyworks. Uh, if I'm wrong, John, put the right name in there. It's uh, Shekinah Honeyworks or Shekinah yeah. Honey Farm. I, I love what they stand for and, and what that means, but they're, they're trying to grow um, their bee business in a big way this year. And so spending time with folks like that to just honestly help map things out, um, try to help get them from point A to whatever point B looks like. It's having that conversation to actually figure out what point B looks like. I really enjoy trying to help folks get there. Um, and so a lot of these, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't write down what we're going to talk about tonight uh, in, in like enormous detail. Um, but this topic is something that is really, really important, whether it's you're growing um, your bee outfit, whether, whether it's you're, you're growing your yield. You know, if anyone, I mean, I don't know how you would easy. Uh, not, nothing's getting better. Nothing's getting easier. So things that we can do on the homestead to provide incomes, to provide food, provide fiber, um, to provide a, a way of living. On our terms, that's very important. At least it is to us, and I know it is for a lot of the folks that are listening tonight. Um, so let's let, let's get back to talking about um, those plans because where I was bragging on you earlier, Susie, I what I really attribute a lot of our success last year was the fact that we have had all these years of experience yeah. um, on on the homestead and. It's given us enough experience to to start to map out. I, if we say we want to we want to have we want to go into the winter with 700 colonies this year, okay, boom. What does that look like? Here's equipment. <laughs> Looks like we might not sleep. Here, here's the bees. <laughs> uh, how much extra labor? We do, and I think 
that's having that rhythm where you might set a goal and you think whether it's your spouse or a child that you want to go, a child that you want to go into business with or a parent, you know, if you're going son or whatever, father, son or best friend, whatever, whatever, whoever you're working your bees with, even if it's just yourself, maybe you sit and talk to your dog. I don't, but I think to have that roadmap and then actually talk it out, um, talk and walk out that plan with somebody is super important because sometimes you can have the check yourself before you wreck yourself moment right. where I'm going to dump all this effort and time into something and then it actually won't come to fruition. You won't have that success. Um, and that can be so devastating and some people are just willing to quit at that point. So I think having that reality check with someone uh, Greg might come to me and say, I really want, these are my goals. And I'll say, okay, then how do we get there? Is that realistic? Do we have the time, the money, the space, the, um, ability, um, to reach those goals? And if you don't personally, how can I be there to help you, um, meet those goals? What will it take for me? And do I see that being, um, reality for both of us? Do you, you have enough time day and do I have enough time in my day for us to both help each other meet those goals that you have for yourself? Um, because Greg is totally the biggest dreamer in the family. I am the reality checker. I'm the Debbie Downer. I'm the killer of all joy um, when it comes to <laughs> dreaming big. And it's not because I, I, I just am a cup half empty kind of person. So it's always like, well, but what if it does this? And what happens if that? And Greg's like, well, it'll all be um so and there's always that i think most couples have one you know it's the yin and the yang so um i'm i don't know which one's worse yin or yang anyway um well you need them both and you're, you're right on with that I, i'm <laughs> i always feel like i'm the bad person though like i'm the bad cop and he's the good cop and you know he's like we can do this and i'm like well we probably can't you know <laughs> So. Well, we the, what we we all we, meet we in the figure middle. it out. We, yeah, that's it, it. Takes that you know me going clear over here, yeah. and then, you, and and then, then we like, end up meeting on, in the middle, on, and then yeah. that's that's where the plan you know lines becomes up becomes successful. Exactly. Yeah. We, we got to have that balance. We have yeah. to have that that system. Otherwise, you know, I, I would be otherwise I, I would have been dead laying face down in the mud in the bee yard somewhere. Um, there's just, a couple times you might have been if couple, I didn't make you uh, peanut a butter and honey. There's a yeah for sure. <laughs> Sometimes we we are so you know this kind of lifestyle, our purpose driven life. Um, but it, the folks that that gravitate, it's 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 like this. You know you're a homesteader. You know you're of that pioneering spirit. When when you do when you, when your wife makes you take a break, um, or you have a bunch of teeth pulled and you have to sit on the couch for a couple of days, when all you're doing is watching, like streaming tv shows of people doing work when you can't <laughs> like pioneering you know that's what we, that i'm always trying to move things forward in a positive <laughs> direction i'm trying to grow and that can also be a problem even when we're when we're, we're we're planning and you're doing all these things um sometimes we we can just get way too far out there in left field and we and we need that person in our life to help bring things back and into center bring things back into focus. And when you, when you, when you love the person that you're working with, 
um, and they're they're your best friend. Feedback. It's not like a. What do you mean? We can, no. There's. It's not like a. She said what? No. No. It's like okay. Well, if she said that, then she's. She. It's for good reason. Well, sometimes we'll this. be honest and say that sometimes when I'm the cup half empty or the Debbie Downer, he's not always you know rainbows and sunshines about it, but. I think we both then can then find, well, where's the common ground? Like, where can we say, yeah, Greg, put your veil on. Um, I think we think really with 200. Like, let's reduce that a little so we can be successful and feel like we're walking away winners versus walking away feeling like we did not meet our goals and nobody doesn't want to meet a goal. It's reality. Like yeah. how many hours a day you have to sleep at least eight of them. So you only have, nope, that's not 20 hours. How many hours is it? You know what I mean? So, and you can't work all of them. So, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's the homesteaders way to have too many irons in the fire. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. But you never want burnt biscuits. No, so. we don't want burnt biscuits. And if, if we are, you know, if the good Lord has given us the opportunities and the resources to be able to, you know, uh, to hammer out that iron, to actually get them in the fire, we have to be responsible with the resources with, and, and with those opportunities. Um, yeah. it's really easy to just chase quantity over quality with all these things. I know for a long time, we chased the quantity of experience. We wanted to experience all these things all at once. And while I would never change any of that, we threw a bunch of things against the wall to see what stuck. Yeah. And then that helped to kind of fine tune and focus our mission move forward. And that was huge. That was a, that was a big deal. That is the reason why that our, our number one farm enterprise is beekeeping. It's because we've, we've, we've done all of the other things. Yeah. And, and this is what continually stuck and grew and resonated. Um, and so that's, that was, be, that's being able to look back um, with, with no bias uh, or as little bias as possible and having the checks and balances. Um, at the end of the day, you can't afford to, to make bad decisions year after year after year. And what I appreciate about the old time ways, the folks that came before us, a lot of our ancestors and family, if you didn't do things right going into the winter time, you died. And yeah. so did your kids. I know that sounds grim. Um, and it's out of reverence that I say that we are living in a, in a, in a luxurious opportunity where we can decide, Hey, guess what? I'm going to get into pigs this year, or I want to get into cows, or I want to get into bees or rabbits or all of the above at the same time. Right? They didn't have that choice. It, it's because of the hard work that they put in that pioneering spirit uh, and that heritage that came before us that, that put us in this opportunity to be able to have talks like this um, tonight, but, um, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's a big deal. So as we kind of get back to, you know, uh, planning to fail, failing to plan, whether or not you have the experience to know what that end result looks like, you got to do your best to map something out because no matter what things go sideways, sometimes things go wrong. That storm does come in. Um, and, and when those things happen, you have to detach yourself from that situation immediately. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, and I know you guys have heard me we talk about this before, but when the storm came through and knocked all those colonies over and I was looking at a significant financial loss, 
did a bit was i upset and eaten up on the inside was i crying my eyes out sure but you can't do that for very long the name of the game was okay pull it together get these colonies put back on the stands and move forward dig in i was crying in my veil <laughs> yeah but then i i did you we did we just had to literally pick ourselves up and put stuff on and and go out there and get those bees put back together you can't stop you know nope and and you, you so i you you learn to just no matter how bad something is you're moving forward and if it's dragging it through the mud if it's digging a hole if it's putting them back up if it's working through the night if it's whatever 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 you're making the sacrifice is not an option you are sacrificing whatever it takes to get that thing back on the path it's hard to get back on the path if you don't know what the path looks like and how you know the path is a lot of times by planning. Here's point A. Here's the point B. Here's what that trail looks like from point A to point B. So when things do go wrong, all I have to do is course correct back to the path. If you don't have the plan in place, when things go wrong, where are you course correcting to? Yeah. And that's where you go back to that. When you walked it backwards, when you made those goals and when you know what the goal and goal is, even when we had that big storm and could have lost all those bees, we tried to course correct where we could with, with no, not that not being the plan and still tried to course correct where we could and make adjustments to try to get as close close to those goals as we could not not having that storm in our plans to happen last year you know and a lot of the, a lot of the times when these things happen we don't even necessarily know um what the right step is um moving forward uh, but i but i would argue any step in a direction is better than staying stagnant and just because it, the longer you stay stagnant a lot of these times the worse things get well, I can say this. Well, let's just use that as an example. When that happened, we could have just left that night and said, oh, we'll just clean it up tomorrow. Oh, man. But, but could you have imagined that the rains that pushed through that whole storm after the wind in the rain happened? Could you imagine what those bees would have been like after that? I yeah. mean, they would have all been dead. Every single so one of them. Instead of that, instead of going home and just saying, I just washed my hands of it, I'm done for the night. We went out while we could still hear and see thunder and, you know, lightning and all that. Probably not that I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. Um, Our insurance just went up. My life insurance policy <laughs> just went up. Thanks or a lot, canceled. Susie. Um, but. It's uh, true though. Yeah, we, I did have to come to you and say, you need to wait a minute. Don't you go out in the lightning. Don't, don't go out in the lightning. Wait until we don't see the lightning for a while. And and then we will all pitch in and help. We will all pitch in. Yeah. We will we will all put suits on. You know, they they were not happy either way, but I would rather them sting me unhappy than be completely washed away and dead. Right. So we did what we had to do. And and that's not fun. That was not fun to sit there and do that. And I was crying through a veil watching these bees and just because I, I I was sad, you know, that it all had happened. It's you go through this thing. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of folks um are are believers who um are of Christian faith or, or any other faith. So when I say this, 
I think it'll it's it'll be very easy to resonate. But when when you're going through those tough times, if you are tuned up, um, if if you do hear God's voice in the midst of that, it wasn't even an option to sit and figure out. There was no let me turn on my Google Foo and find out what do you do when everything goes wrong in the bee yard. There was none of that. But all I had was that that small still voice on the inside that said, "Pick them up, put them back on, keep moving. Pick them up, put them back on, keep moving." over and over and over again. And it was one hive after the other, after the other, after the other. Next thing you know, everything is put back on. If I wouldn't have listened to that voice, just like if I wouldn't have listened to that voice that told me to, to put my last grass of the year in the, in those lighthouse horizontal hives, that would have been this, this would have been a much different conversation, but because I did heed that call, I, I heard that voice. That's what we did. As soon as we put all those colonies back on, two minutes later, you know what happened? The next round of storms, the next round of wind. If if had we had not dug in and listened exactly when we did, all those colonies would have been left in the open, in the rain, and they would have all drowned. Now, why is that a big deal? Not only is is it the the life that, that God has given us, the opportunities God's given us to, to be stewards of this land. Uh, to, to farm these bees, to, to, to operate this, this business, those assets would have been completely lost for one. No, number two, you know, when, when there's 50 to 70 colonies that, that get rained out that time of year, yeah. that's, you know, 50 to 100 colonies going into the wintertime to split out for profit to keep the farm running financially the following year. You do the math. It's, it, that's a lot of money. Um, and it's because we heard the call and we did what, what was on our heart. We saved an enormous amount of those. That wouldn't have been the case if we would have just said, well, I, I don't know what to do. But we had a goal in mind. It was grow, keep these bees healthy. We were tuned up to hear the voice when God spoke. We listened and we did. That's a big deal. And I can say the same thing is if we actually look back in our experience on the homestead, when things go wrong, and they always did, whether it's a cow dying of pneumonia whether it's whether it's a goat's taking its last breath, whether it's you're holding a little piglet, you know, and you and you watch the fire, you watch the light in its eyes get turned out, whether it's your bees getting washed out, whether it's hail coming in and destroying all your your garden tomatoes, it's always something. It's what you do in those moments that make all the difference. And years and years of building on that puts you in a position to where it's okay. If if things go wrong, that fine. We'll work through it. We'll push on. We'll figure it out. We'll be better for it. But what I really love about that is when we have these tough things happen and we work through it, you know who's looking? The kids. The kids are looking. How, how is mom and dad reacting? How are we, their, their attitude? How are they talking about this? They're learning. As we're going through all these hard times and these hard lessons learned, our kids are learning them right here with us. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. Because that's going to give them life lessons and opportunities to move on and do bigger, better, and greater things than we ever could. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we, I tend to forget that, that they are watching and, and we're leading by example. How did we, how did we handle those tough times, those situations where we wanted to give up but didn't? And they'll, they'll be better for it. So, yes, you got to, you know, you, you, Spend some time to figure out where you want to go this year, whether that's make with a your, roadmap, make a, whether it's with your bees, whether it's in the garden, raising pigs, 
Maybe you're starting goats. Maybe it's bunnies like Grammy midwife, whatever that it is, right? Try to draw out the map and be okay. If that line is squiggly and erased, doesn't have to be perfect, but just get it on paper, walk it backwards, figure out what equipment, what resources that you need, start to plot it out financially. What is it in my budget? How much is it going to cost? If it's not in my budget, what can I do with my resources to get closer to those goals? Can I sell off some extra bunnies? Can I, uh, make a, a couple extra splits, you know, can I really focus on, on what I do have and, and do, and do a rather than quantity quality, rather than getting from two colonies to 10, like we talked about earlier in the example, what if we just take those two and split them out into four and pull 50 gallons of honey off each one or 70 or 90. And now we have that, now we have that honey money that we can turn right back in, fold that into the business. And then maybe next year is the year that we actually get to 10. But now we have all this experience from this year to give us a much better um, feedback when we're going to make all these decisions. And through all this experience, we can start to dial in the business year after year after year. But that's our farmstead model. It started off with everything, including bees. We wanted to have bees on the homestead and we figured out, okay, here's how much bees are going to cost us. What can we do to offset that cost? And it it was almost immediately, let's raise bees. Let's split them off. Let's make some nukes. Once we get that figured out, let's try to make some queens. Let's uh, go on a package run and deliver packages to a bunch of states to try to cash flow these kind of situations so we can grow and grow and grow. Every year we have mistakes, we have loss, but every year we, we, do, we, we, are, we do things right and we double down on the things that we do right and we keep moving things forward, growing it year after year after year. And we're just looking forward to every single year not knowing what, what challenges are there going to be, you know, but we do know here's where we want to be by the end of the year and let's figure out how to get there. Yep. Absolutely. What else, what other thoughts do you have about, um, you know, homestead planning that we could, what things can we do to be um, successful with our expectations and the reality of homesteading? Well, one big thing I'll say, and it's not because I want people to rush out and buy everything from bees to chicks to seeds, but I will say that don't wait to the last minute because as far as like our business goes, you know, packages sell out and seeds, varieties that you may want to be looking at, um, those particular carrots or um, that certain cucumber variety might sell out. And uh, those chicks, definitely not going to be, you know, you might find some at Royal King or Tractor Supply, but it might not be the variety you wanted to raise this year. So try not to wait to the last minute. Um, And as you have extra funds here and there, um, try to do a little each week or, or if you have a plan, then, then you can work backwards. Okay. I want a hundred meat birds, but I don't want to raise them all at once. So how many can I raise at a time? And then how many can I afford to go ahead and pre-order for, you know, April and then maybe June and then maybe August, you know, if I want to do three batches instead of doing a hundred at one time, um, I really want, you know, 15 varieties of cucumbers so I can make all the you know, crispy pickles that I've ever wanted to in my whole life. I want to make them in barrels, you know, 
you better go ahead and order those cucumbers because not all the varieties stick around the whole year. Um, and some of them are sold out before December. So um, just know that if you have plans in the garden or in, you know, your hen house or for meat birds or even for package bees or nukes, that um, as far as, you know, our business goes, we don't have those sticking around forever. Right. Um, so, you know, you can only make so much with the resources you have. And so where you have the time and the the time to plan, also try to plan for the funding to do, you know, those things and order them ahead of time if you can. So... It's definitely a time of year or two, whether it's getting, and we'll talk about it more this year too, getting your seeds ordered, getting your fencing, your fence, your fence, all the things on the homestead. Order the seeds before you buy the fence, please. Um, and, and, and so that you know that you, <laughs> you can always go cut some locust posts to put a fence in, but you can't always order packages or nukes. You also can't get seeds or the seeds that you want when you want them. No, or and, chicks. Or chicks. I had a friend order chicks and literally the same week that she told me she ordered those, I went to go look for some same varieties so I could get extra. Gone. And let's not even talk about feeder pigs or butcher dates. Hey, now, come on. We need to talk about that. <laughs> let's <laughs> we get will it on be the talking calendar. about that. <laughs> we will be talking a lot about that, um, you know, coming up. But, you know, at you're the, not out of the... You're not out of that one. We're not, we're not out of the on. woods. We're not you, out of the woods. You need to, you know, you need to get some pigs in the woods. You see what I did there? We're not out of the You're woods. You're here all with night. The pigs. Anyways. <laughs> not really though, because we have been talking for 45 minutes. So. <laughs> well, that's um, you know, there's there's a lot of things. Plan. Let's say you do have a little experience with these or anything else. How do you get from point A to point B with that experience? Well, I'm going to throw a couple things out there. Don't forget that those bees start hitting. It, 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 let me back up a sec. Okay. Today at the farm, I'm standing there. I'm talking to Jeff, and I'm looking over. Michelle Ackerman, she just stopped by and, and, and grabbed some Hive Alive fondant. So it was good seeing you, Michelle. Thanks for stopping out. And um, she she actually had a question, which I'm going I'm to bring that up here in a second. But I'm standing there talking to Jeff, and I look over. And you know what I see? Where's that thing at? I saw the most magical sign that spring is coming. What? Our big sugar maple, when you pull into the farm, guess what it's doing? It's budding. Oh. So if you are a maple syrup uh, connoisseur, ah! is that the right word? Maple syruper? Maple sugar busher? Sugar, sugar bush? Get you out in a sugar bush. Well, uh, heads up. Uh, it's it's going to be coming to an end quick, at least in my neck of the woods. The sugar maples are starting to bud, which means the sap is going to start to get a little bit bitter and cloudy, and it starts to kind of go rank quicker. Um, the temperatures are warming up. So if you're collecting sap, just know that uh, it might be coming to a close a little quicker than you think. Um, it might have been a very short season. It, it seemed like it was kind of an odd sugar season this year, but... There's why, more of those than there are better I ones. Know. <laughs> I know. Well, why does that matter? Well, here's why it matters. When you've got sugar maples that are in bloom. Okay, now this sugar maple is bigger. And I was talking to Joe Nolan, I think. Yeah, Joe Nolan about this just a couple of days ago. Um, he's he's over in uh, uh, Indiana, north of Indianapolis. And we're talking about, you know, the silver maples and then the red maples come on and then the sugar maples come on. But then sometimes 
the, the different trees come on. Maybe they're, it's weird. Like one's on before the other. A lot has to do with, with tree maturity, how deep the root system is, the temperature of the ground, the moisture content of the soil. But when you see maples blooming, when maples are blooming, that is just a phenomenal pollen feast um, to get a lot of our bees off to a good start. And what comes before a bloom? Bud. And so when these, when these maples start to bud, it's a reminder that spring is really just around the corner. For us historically here, at least around the farm, when we can get our, when, when the maples bloom, we're in there. We're totally good to go. There is, there is plenty of pollen from that point forward that our bees are thriving, surviving, and growing, which means what? And that brings me uh, to my question that Michelle Ackerman is she's, she's working on doing better this year and getting everything planned and doing all the right things. Okay, and good. And she she her question was, when do I need to split these bees? Do I need to I need to I need to split them because they're going to swarm? But I already have too many bees. What am what am I going to do with these bees? Well, it's a great problem to have to have the assets because now Michelle, you've got the nukes. Now you can make nukes, and there's a million different ways you can do that. But one of the easiest ways to make the nuke in the spring is to get a mated queen. Make that split, introduce the mated queen, sell that. You know, make that 175 that $200, put that back, you know, in the, in the homestead funds for beekeeping. That'll keep your numbers down where you want to, but it also is going to help cash flow all the things that you need to do. Getting honey jars, getting uh, some, some fresh frames. Maybe it's, it's getting that, um, that new extractor or that next thing that you need um, for your system. So there's so many different ways uh, to, to kind of go about doing that. But we were talking about timing. And I said, I'm going to throw something out to you. You're, you don't hear a lot about it, but maybe consider don't splitting in the spring. Don't split in the spring. Well, their bees are going to get too big and they're going to swarm. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about management, managing these spring colonies. So they are huge and magnificent. What, what, a, what a big colony can totally do in the spring when you, when done correctly is they not only can they make an enormous honey crop, but then you actually have assets to then make all those splits to break them down a little bit later when, when the timing is a little bit better. If you go on, you know, if we go right now, like in April, if we go in mid April, start busting down every single big colony into five frame splits, we're going to have a bunch of five frame colonies. That's great, right? You could sell those as nukes, you know, drop cells, make your own Queens, buy some mated Queens, but if you don't have any experience with that, or if that is not part of your business plan and honey was, now you've just shorted making a honey crop for splitting them down so they don't swarm. Now, it, that really isn't a problem, I guess, because you're still cash flowing your bee operation. But one thing to consider, one thing that we are really, really excited about, and one thing that I think a lot of folks are, are, are picking up on and doing as well is not splitting in the spring, waiting until the fall time to make those splits. And what, what that does, it ends up putting you on a fall requeening cycle to where you're requeening on those solstice queens, those, the summer solstice queens, that when those springs come out of the spring, they're not that typical, we're already a year old plus type of a queen and we're going to swarm. They're just a, just a hair younger and they, they tend to not quite swarm so early, but they still put on a beautiful honey crop. They're not quite as swarmy. And then those queens, when you requeen in the fall time, 
they go through the winter beautifully. And so it, it's kind of a, it's a backwards hack that not a lot of folks talk about um, because I don't think a lot of folks have really thought about that. We, a, lot of, a lot of times we do what we read, what we hear, what we see, what the B club says, what's in the book. And I could relate that to chickens though, too. Same thing with chickens, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is because their patterns for laying uh, if you have a, a chick that starts to almost starts to lay, you know, is laying in October, yeah. in October, but then slows down with the, you know, the winter. And mm-hmm. then once solstice hits, we actually got the first three eggs this weekend. Right. And my chickens are starting to get, get the hint that there's the stew pot <laughs> brewing. Uh-huh. Um, and they are start to, they're going to start cranking out those eggs, but we used up, you know, they used up some of those delicious water glass eggs for French toast this morning. I did have French toast with water glass eggs and I. And homemade maple syrup. That was so good. Yeah. But that's, it's this, it's almost the same concept. If if you have chickens, it's same, same thing, you know, they're going to slow down like any, any queen would, but then in the spring they're like, Oh yeah, we're ready to crank it out. It's just, it's another another tool in the toolbox to where if something happens um, with your spring management where you can't split, you don't want to split or you, you want to go for the honey crop first and and then split them out after your honey crop. There's a lot of opportunities for not splitting the first of spring just because the bees want to do it. Or just because somebody told you that's what you're supposed to do. Or because someone said you're supposed to do. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, that one of the secrets of making honey is making bees. And if you take a colony who is just fat and juicy and with a huge worker force and they're out there rocking and rolling and ready to go. Yeah. You know, yes, if it's an older queen, you definitely have to worry um, about that swarm tendency. Yeah. That's why a lot of folks you'll hear the argument, well, I don't I don't think you need to requeen every single year. I my this queen's four years old or five years old. That's true. We've had five year old queens. That's great. Yeah. But they are nowhere near as good as that fresh first year queen. They don't lay the number of eggs, um, but their attitude changes. I'm going to be careful how I say this, but as, but sometimes our personalities, um, oh boy, I think I'm already, I think I'm already in, um, in dangerous waters here. Um, eye twitching. What am I trying to say here? Oh gosh. Eye twitching? I don't think I can back. Um, I do have <clears> a pen and I know where your leg is. Let's just say, um, let's just say as a bee queen matures, um, the older she gets, um, the more personality she also develops. And um, well, I don't <laughs> think I can get out of this one. <laughs> the more personality she develops um, to where she's a little bit um, maybe. Um, Do not, you need a noogie? I'm not saying she's going through <laughs> mood swings or hot flashes. Um, I earned or, every one of those. But what I'm saying is the, that, that second year, that, that, old, that older queen coming out of the spring you know, she, she, they, they are just more flighty. They have a much higher swarm tendency. They seem to swarm sooner. Um, and you do have to keep your eye on them. I have noticed that. Um, and if you, if you've never had this experience, that's what I want to challenge you to do. I, I challenge you to take a, even a package of bees and put that package of bees in a five frame nuke box and crowd them out until they have no space to put anything or do anything. And see how long it takes them before they finally put queen cells on. But you take a queen, like Michelle, one of your colonies coming out of the spring this year. Go ahead and split them and put that last year's queen into a five-frame nuke box and crowd them out. 
and watch how fast they put on queen cells. If the wind blows wrong, she'll put on queen cells. <laughs> if just, the wind blows right. <laughs> if the queen, if the wind blows right. If you walk by there and you call her a dirty name, she's going to make queen cells. <laughs> they, that's just, that is, that is the nature of queens. As they get older, that's what they do. It's an amazing survival um, mechanism built into the honeybee. So what's important is we learn to play into that. We learn to read those situations and then we use that to the, to the advantage of making more bees. The, where that can be a little bit challenged though sometimes is if you're not on top of management. If you don't know what to look for, you can have queen cells hiding out. If you are on a 21-day cycle on inspections, this yeah. method is not for you. Yeah. But if you can get in there every 7 to 10 days every and get seven. on this colony and make sure... <laughs> You can make sure you're, you're giving this queen plenty of room to lay. You can knock down those queen cells. You can keep building these bees up and building them up and building them up. Yep. It's an amazing opportunity um, to let's not be in a hurry necessarily to split in the spring. Yep. If our goals are honey crops, um, unless true. you've got super, super huge colonies. And this is going to be different for everybody all across the country. If you're in Virginia or North or South Carolina or you're down in Alabama or Florida or Georgia, completely disregard because what I'm talking about is these cool um, northern climates with beekeeping because our windows are so short. There's a couple little hacks that we can do to achieve the same goal, which is healthy bees going into the wintertime and be pulling yields off them, either being honey or bees. And so um, I can just go all night long our internet must have froze about 26 minutes ago. Oh, mom it, said it did. Okay. I don't I haven't been watching the comments. So, oh, yep. Um, so anyways, I think we're, we're going to talk more about about what this um, farmstead management um, or, or even if it's, you know, um, a backyard beekeeper and a sideliner. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunities to do things that are contrary to what you hear, see, read um, or learn about. Um, and it's it, it's not because we're trying to find backwards ways of doing it. But there is the way how things actually work when it's a business. Um, and when you understand that these bees are a unit or an asset. And that we're taking their health into, into our hands and we're responsible not only for them, but they are a part of this whole entire system of how everything works here on the farm. And we have to be physically and financially sustainable. How do we do that? That's a big conversation that I hope we can keep diving into um, as the year progresses. Um, so we're, we're about an hour long and we're not trying to have these chats go on for three or four hours, but we do want to take a couple questions um, tonight before we jump off there's a question here um, early on uh, from our buddy uh, Tennessee Tim McCandless the question is uh, hands up show of hands biggest obstacle from being a hobbyist to making the jump to sideliner and then ultimately becoming a commercial outfit that's a great question Tim we could we could have an entire show on that uh, Susie what comes to mind um, when you think about as we went from um, like backyard to hobby and then hobby and the sideliner and then sideliner into whatever scale that we're in right now. What do you think one of the biggest obstacles were? I'd say there was two time and money. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> That's it. Where, where do you devote your time and money and how do you decide how to spend it the wise, you know, wisely? I think that's where it separates the sideliners from the, the commercials beekeepers. Yeah. And, you know, there's, um, and backyard beekeepers. Some, you know, when eventually you get to the point to where every move you make 
in the B yard cost you at least a thousand dollars or more or more. Sometimes <laughs> it's five thousand dollars or it's six thousand dollars to make one move to add one box and frames and feed yeah. can be three, four, five thousand dollars. Yeah. You have to be extremely smart with how we do that when we go about doing that because we don't want to tie up funds that we we can't just go willy nilly uh, shooting for the moon and and acquiring all the resources that we think we need because when we start to actually get along that those those points on the map on that roadmap if we if we missed point one and two um, and we need those funds to take care of points one through four and we're trying to secure things that we need at point seven, eight, or nine or 10. Yeah. We, you don't have, now, now you don't have the funds to do it. Um, well, and sometimes you need equipment, but yet you need to feed your bees. So the bees get fed, but then you don't have the money right. to buy the equipment because bee feed doesn't necessarily pay itself back in yields um, right away. So. Yeah. It's a, a lot of these things are, are long-term. Very long-term. Long, you have long-term to have gains. The... You have to, you have to invest a long-term investments yeah. Um, there are some short term gains off off some of these things. Um, and that's where you have to keep it contrary. That's where you have to keep it contrary. That's where you have to think <laughs> out, really think outside of the box. You do. That's been one of the hardest things, Tim, um, at all scales is balancing. Bootstrapping it. Is, it we're, it's the frugal farmsteading at its best. That's what bee farming is. It's um, if it's one thing that I'm thankful for the mentors that I had early on yeah. is you learn how to rub two pennies together to get a nickel. And that's the only way you afford to do any of this. And you start building and just constantly investing every single penny right back into the business, right back into the business every week, every month, every year. And then you eventually you get to a point where you start to gain a little bit of momentum and a little bit more. What's great about that is we didn't go out and take a $300,000 loan to do all those things. That's right. We started with, with literally nothing, whatever we could make from it from right then and there. And we folded that right back into the business. What's why I think that's an important approach is every decision you make, you're 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 sometimes plagued by that mindset. Still, that can be great because you know uh, I got to be really mindful of where I'm spending this. Um, it'd be very mindful on where I'm spending my time. Yeah, you know what I just realized. What? where we started our bee business with a barter. Right. <laughs> we started our entire bee business because someone, uh, we were speaking at a homesteading workshop and someone came up and said, my son and I are definitely allergic to bees um, and you're raising pork. Would you be interested in trading all of our equipment for pork? I forgot about that. So our literally our, our entire bee business started on a bacon barter. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty sweet. I mean, for, I forgot think about, about that until just now it hit me. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that that's the spirit of everything that we do here. We, we are, we have bartered. I mean, we have bartered, um, uh, chickens and maple syrup and labor and the list goes on and on for bees or for Queens or for this or for that and vice versa. That, that, that's the homesteading way. Yeah. Um, and while that's great and, and you always have to maintain that frugal nature, you have to be smart with your money. Yeah. Sometimes, though, it can prevent you from making the right move at the right time. Yeah. And a couple of those moves is when I finally broke down uh, and bought a flatbed dually truck to do all the work here on the farm. The first day of having it on the farm, I said, 
I don't know why I didn't do that earlier. It was with the tractor, though, too. The, Everything that is that. You name it. What do you call that? It's a force multiplier. Force multiplier. Yeah, I always forget the name because I would never say that. But um, it is. It's 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 kind of like saying I, I want to have raised garden beds, but I don't have a uh, what's that thing called that you use to put the beds together? Drill, you know, and wood. Yeah. Okay. So you can't have raised beds. <laughs> yeah, there, there. You know, these, maybe some bricks. <laughs> the, the thing about you know force multipliers is, is it's one thing to say. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Okay, yeah. sure. There's a lot of things that would be nice. Yeah. But it's another thing to say, oh, that thing would be nice and make me money and yeah. pay for itself. And so investing in something into the business that is going to make money is huge. Yeah. Is a big deal. Um, and there has not been a single thing that I've invested in for the business um, that I've ever regretted if its intent was to make money. Yeah. And a lot of, as the older that I get, my thoughts on that is, as has also changed, you know, move, moving bees on um, small landscape trailers or on this or that, or, or just the, I could think of oh a million things. I, you know, if you've ever done dumb things, I shouldn't say <laughs> dumb because sometimes you have to do yeah. that. I would never, I, I could never truly appreciate what it's like to move a four way pallet of bees with the skid steer and put it on the back of a flatbed truck. I could That's never true. truly appreciate that if I wasn't lugging around boxes and bottom boards and hauling them in the back of a pickup truck or hauling on the back of a landscape trailer. I could never appreciate that if I didn't start there. And you have the back to prove it. But that's <laughs> that's the thing about it too is the older you that you get, you know, the funny thing is is, you know, you you have wisdom, you gain experience, you learn to um, how you can cash flow and, and build, um, capital. Um, but you never seem to have all those things at all at the same time. And I think it's almost a way that God puts things into perspective where you can't have everything all at once. It's and a you, journey. It's a journey. You have yeah. to learn to make do, you have to learn how to do certain things the hard way so you can appreciate them. Um, when you can find ways to do it a little bit easier and what that does is it frees you up. Now our time is is spent rather than spending you know x amount of time and spending x amount of physical um, strength and energy doing those things. Now we're saving all the time and energy, and all those are getting put towards things that are continually to make more money or, or make more bees um, or to be able to do things, have more time to mentor um, for outreach um, for that bee ministry side of what we do. So it's, it's a win-win um, kind of situation. So I, what I'm trying to say here, Tim, especially as you grow, you know, he's a wonderful homesteader. He's, he's a, he has a pioneering spirit. He sure does. He's going to dig deep. He's going to figure it out. He will find a way just like just about everyone. I'm, I'm sure who's listening to this right now, who's um, on this live chat, or if you're joining us on the nature's image farm podcast, or you're watching this replay later, if you're listening to this, there, there, there's a reason why. And I, and I think a lot of us are of that pioneering spirit. We're of the same heart. And that's, these are the things that it takes, but don't, when you start to, when you start to hear that little voice and that little tug that's, that wakes you up early one morning and says, you need to go buy a flatbed dually. And you're thinking, how am I going to tell my wife that? Or, 
graphed all those last sets of graphs and put it in that horizontal hive, that lighthouse hive, when you hear those, those things, you have to know where they're coming from. And when you know where they're coming from, you don't have to know the how. You don't have to know how am I going to pay for this necessarily. You don't even know they'll have to know that it's why. But when you hear that small, still voice, when you feel that tug on your heart, sometimes you just have to follow through and do it. And you'll find that, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I listened. And I could tell you that's a whole, man, I feel like everything I want to talk about is an entire episode in itself. But that entire truck story is some definitely something worth telling where God was speaking we listened and had we not this one this last year would have looked completely different and that's a whole other thing but um, we always make do and where there's a will there's a way you're right. a hard worker yep uh, i'm going to cruise here i am oh my gosh i am looks like i am 20 minutes behind on i think we must have i hope we didn't lose you guys completely and i hope that we didn't pause or we've had our internet's been real wonky it's been extremely cloudy today Um, so, um, and you know, the internets just don't work so well when things aren't, you know, clear skies and sunny. I'm trying to find, um, if there's any, we're going to, we're going to jump off here before too much longer. Um, but I want to throw it out there. If anyone had any questions, um, just type the word question and then put the question in. I'm going to try to catch back up here. Um, it looks like I... I'm so lost now in the comments. I'm sorry. Uh, great, uh, great question, Tim. Um, if you guys have any any questions, go ahead and drop them in now, and then we'll answer those uh, before we get going. But um, you know, there, there's, you know, we. I don't want to spend three or four hours tonight, you know, going down these rabbit holes. And and I just I, I trust that something that we said was on someone's mind or on someone's heart, and that it it spoke to you. And I hope that it did. You know, what, what I just want to reiterate is you don't have to know. Um, you don't have to know all the fine details on, on where it is that you're supposed to go. But just write down where you think that is. Where do you think you want to be this year? Write oh, yeah. that down. Be and intentional it, with that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. We're not you don't you don't need to look for perfection. What you need to do is have a dream or even just a dream, a goal. What am I dreaming I want to have? Like I could dream about all the things I want in a garden or yep. what my, I want my chicken coop to look like, but how am I going to attain that dream or goal? Right. Um, and then it'll at least give you a starting point, a launching point. Is it reality? Can I ask somebody else that maybe has experience in that area? Well, what you just said there is huge because a lot of us, feel like we're lone wolf in it. We're feeling like we're the only one out here doing this. We're, we feel like we can't ask somebody that has more experience to question because they'll think that we're inexperienced and we don't know what we're doing. Guess what? Newsflash. All of us are in that boat. I can't tell you how many times a day or a week or a month that I feel like I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but what I do know is that the truth is written in my heart. And all I'm going to do is keep moving forward in that direction, doing the best that I can with what I know, with what I have. And that's what I think that that's the best thing that, that you can absolutely do. But do not be afraid. Don't let pride or ego get in the way of picking up the phone, shooting somebody a message or an email and saying, hey, give a few minutes. Here's where I'm at and, and, and see if you can get some help. You know, if you don't know wh- what to do or how to get there, talk to somebody who's been there and they will be more than happy. Uh, to kind of help you. The big thing is when we are 
we have a lot of presentations coming up um, over the next uh, couple um, couple months. Um, speaking at B clubs and at conferences, and one of the things that we really enjoy talking about is the hard lessons learned. Um, it's there's there's no pride, there's no ego. We've made a lot of mistakes, and I think a lot of folks are are happy to share um, the things that that they could do better, so that you can learn from it. You can go make your own mistakes, and then you can circle back and say, okay, here here's what I did. Now maybe you don't have to make that same mistake. So uh, what I would caution you though is when when you meet somebody that only has their success stories to tell you be very cautious of the of the ones who it's it's only you know rainbows and marshmallows i call it rainbows and and rainbows and sprinkles uh, i don't say that i say something more vulgar but um (laughs) this is family friendly radio (laughs) well yeah i say fart (laughs) what Okay, folks, we're going to have to cut you off here. Oh, my gosh. Oh, be, be, very, be very leery of, of the person who is the expert, the person who is the my way or the highway. There are no absolutes. Um, no. And so that's so keep that in mind. Okay, we have some questions here. Uh, thanks. Uh, we got uh, Lisa, Grammy's midwife, Homestead. Be sure to check her YouTube channel out. I bet she has some bunny updates coming up. Yappy B-Man has a question. Okay, let's see. Let me scroll back here. You have to forgive me because our comments are um, as oh, slow there as it we is. are. The question. Okay, Quesh. Yappy has a question. Question. Mm-hmm. Where is <laughs> Yappy's, <laughs> the, the Yappy Brotherhood of the Traveling Coffee Cup? Um, Yappy, where is your mug? I don't know where I your mug is. I don't know. I have my mug. Oh, uh, shout out to uh, Dirt Rooster. Uh, Randy and Elizabeth sent us some swag. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, where is your mug, Yappy? Well, it's not here. Um, nope. It's not here. Nope. I believe it's in the hands of Brian Coper in Ohio. And where it goes from there, Yappy, I guess you'll just have to stay tuned and find out. That's right. Okay, we've got a question here. David Cress, question, backyard here. Can max at six hives. Want to maintain at least four through winter. Should I winter nukes and sell my extra nukes in the spring? Or is selling nukes in fall an option? David, I would say, where where are you located? Um, selling nukes in the fall is not a real common practice. Um, but I can tell you a part of our bee uh, management is raising a lot of nukes. And then consolidating um, all of our uh, big uh, boxes that we're making queens in every year, getting those all consolidated um, towards the end of the year um, so we can plug in a five-frame nuke into something that's not looking good or if we have a dead out or for whatever reason we need to plug something in. So I think raising nukes to plug in to fill in those voids is smart. Um, selling them in the fall, I don't know where there's a lot of market for that, Mm-hmm. Um, there could be Susie trying to grab my mouse well, I'm here. I'm trying to move you over because maybe he'll answer to answer you where he's at. It's oh, okay. We're like need to get you a, a mouse and a screen there so you can see all the you're things. You're hogging there. the mouse. I'm hogging the mouse. Okay. Yep. I didn't know if he was down there. So commenting. I would. So I would say uh, in the fall time, it is most of the time, folks. Look at who who is your market. What is the market for nukes? Ninety mm-hmm. plus percent of the market for nukes are going to be, number one, a beginning backyard beekeeper, um, or two, 
um, someone who's growing, um, that they're trying to get that quick start again, um, or three, someone who's looking for your genetics in their outfit. Um, so if you know who your market is, then maybe, you know, if it's somebody who wants your genetics, then a late summer or an early fall nuke, if they have the experience to get it through the winter, no big deal, not a problem at all. But for that, that beginning uh, beekeeper or someone with, 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 that doesn't have the experience of getting nukes at the wintertime, it's going to be a little bit tougher of a sell. So I would maybe focus, if you're trying to cash flow um, your, your operation, if it's two hives or if it's 40, you know, consider, make sure that, oh, this is another good point. I'm going to throw it out here, but we can't go down this rabbit hole tonight. We're going to, we're going to chase this one later. But one of the things that we that Susie has been so phenomenal with is reining me in, number one, and number two, making sure that we don't sell ourselves short. That has been one of the biggest differences over the last few years because I would absolutely not only give the shirt off my back, but end up selling off all of our stock to where we had so little stock coming out of the year it puts us in a bad financial position in the spring following when she says, okay, you are cut off. You're, you're capped out at 200 nukes this year. You're not selling more than 200 nukes. Now everything else that I make or do or grow goes right back to building our savings account for bees and we can build and grow them up. And now we have more bees to, for, for the next year. So then the next year, the cap is 350 or 400. And then you keep the ball rolling that way where you constantly have bees as an asset in your savings account, whether it's you want to make honey or you want to make bees, having the bees is, is the biggest thing. So I, I wanted to, to, to just bring that up. Make sure you don't sell your short, sell yourself short. Sure. You've heard the saying, bird in hand is better than two in the bush. That's true. Um, but um, there's something to be said about letting those assets grow and not earning that quick cash now because it can cost you that that $1 you make now can cost you $3 next spring. So if you don't have to sell it now, if you don't need the money to cash flow right now, let that asset grow. Um okay, let's see. God, I am really bad about this um this this question thing here. Okay. Um Yeah, Tim has a, a great comment here. Claim it, speak your dream into existence. Uh, I will be a successful commercial beekeeper one day. Tim, That's right. Tim, Tim. Is, is just going to be he's he's a good dude. He's going to be successful in life no matter what he what you call it, what it looks like um, or what it is, because he has the heart and the soul. Um, he has the grit of, of a pioneer for That's sure. That's right. Um, I got to give a special shout out all the way from Sweden um, to our friend. Yasmin. And I, I'm not going to I'm terrible with the last names. Nalima, um, that that is so well spoken. She um, we've got a, some um, upcoming Hive Life interview series uh, videos coming out over the next couple months. And one of the ones that I am really excited to share is one uh, with Yasmin from Sweden. And we're talking about um, a subject that uh, Tim gets it. Tim, Tim understands. Um, but we get into some permaculture things. We talk about some hugel culture, food forest, um, pioneer species, uh, plant guilds. Um, and the bees are included. So I'm looking forward to, to that one. So Yasmin, uh, nice to see you on here. Um, I'm going to try to get caught up here, Susie. Um, oh, question for Susie. Uh-oh. I don't even know if we should go here. Kevin and Jolie from uh, Bee Bum out in uh, Adams, Nebraska has a question for Susie. 
What is Greg's greatest attribute? Oh, man. Is it my ability to find all these really funny buttons like this one? <laughs> you do have a great My greatest sense attribute of humor. is I know how to. You're very push your kind. Buttons. I could say a lot of good things about you, actually. Your kindness, your generosity, you have a great sense of humor, maybe not so much to our kids, but, um, and sometimes to me, um, you're just such a giver. Sometimes I have to cap your giving. I know I shouldn't <laughs> do that, but <laughs> well, um, he would give the shirt off his back and all the bees out of our bee yard. And so then we would be out of business guys. So, you know, I sometimes have to say like, well, well, can't give it all away. I tell you, um, one day we'll give it all away. <laughs> it's yeah, that's a, again, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, but, um, I can remember at hive life, uh, hanging out with, um, Larry and Mary and Sears and, you know, Larry made a great point there. Um, and he says, you can't outgive God. Um, and so sometimes I think we, we have to, we do have to take into consideration that God has, has given us um, blessings and assets and opportunities, and we want to in turn be able to do the same thing as much as possible um, for everybody else. And that's just something I'm, I'd like to keep in mind: is you, you can't outgive God. It's so I, I feel like it's it's just it's a way that we can be a lighthouse to others, whether it's we're giving of our time, helping you know walk people through, chart out what does their year on the homestead. What does their year and what the bees look like? What equipment? What do you, you know, try to just paint that picture from our hard lessons learned. Um, that's just something that I absolutely love to do. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from Mac Apiary Bees, Tom. Uh, the question is Ohio, single or double deeps for winter? I do both and have success for both. That's a great question. Um, Mac Apiary Bees, Tom. I wonder if, um, Mac Apiary Bees, Tom, is this the YouTube artist formerly known as Wayne's Honeybees? I think that it might be Tom Wayner. Anyways, um, what's what's singles or doubles? Well, yes, I think I think a lot of it depends. Um, I it's I think it's a little bit more. It depends on the weather, and that's something that we have no idea. So I would say what would be a smart strategy until you have, you hear that voice that tells you a certain way or you have enough feedback that just says, okay, boom. But it seems like doubles are an absolute nightmare. Um, if the weather is too warm, if it's too warm out, it seems like the, the ratio of bees to feed and doubles is, is too far off balance. Um, and we end up with too much brood that eat up too much of their stores and you have doubles that end up starving out. If the weather stays cool enough, however, even if you leave an enormous amount of feed or even if you're putting hive alive fondant on, or you're finding ways to keep them supplementally fed, then I think doubles are a tremendous resource coming out of the spring. If you think about it, you know, let's say you wait, the, the maples are blooming and as you are creeping up into April and the apples start to bloom and it's just full on, yeah. you know, you're very soonly looking at 20 frames of bees that are just absolutely busting. 
you know, you take those 20 frames and you make nearly, you can make, you know, six, three strong, three frame splits, adding two uh, frames of, of undrawn comb during a honey flow. Now you've just taken that, those doubles um, into seven splits that will more than be big to go um, into the winter time and probably have to be thinned down yet some still too. So what's nice about doubles is there is B assets there that you can do something with. Yeah. It's just for me in our context, there it's a little riskier than singles. Ohio is a, a gamble on weather. It seems to be a gamble. Singles, on the other hand, for whatever reason, you know, I don't, I, you know, somebody way smarter than me, which is probably everybody on here, could probably tell me why. But there's a certain dynamic in a single to where there the ceiling is there. It's like a threshold. The bees are in a certain cluster. It's a certain size bee. Um, to I'm not sure why it is, but it seems like singles do very well for us here. Um, now, I mean, single 10 frame deeps mm-hmm. do seem to do really well. I, I, I like that configuration, um, but um, I still run some of both. Um, I was out there today um, just uh, pulling, you know, taking the bucket feeders um, off so I could look down into the hole to see the hive life on it. And I, I've got stuff that's in double five frame mediums that are kicking and doing well. Um, I've got stuff in doubles, stuff in singles. I, I really think one of the biggest contributing factors to whether a single or a double is better for winter um, starts in June and July on your mite treatments. If you're keeping those colonies healthy and they're, and they have a low viral load, I think both are going to do awesome. Yeah. However, if you if your mites are getting out of hand, whether you know it or not, I think the double is going to cause you a lot of pain and woe, weeping and gnashing of teeth, if because you're going to have a lot more brood expressing any potential uh, viral loads from those mites in the colonies. I think that's where you get into trouble. So I think that's why singles have been such an amazing buffer for us because they can buffer the they they can buffer the warm spells. They can also buffer those late season um, attacks, mite attacks with viral loads, I think, just a little bit better because the ratio of mites to brood cells um, are, are a little bit lower in a single than they are a double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, let's see. I've got a question. Okay, there. Oh boy, these are there's there's a I, I appreciate you guys um all the comments tonight. I'm gonna follow up here uh with uh Kevin and Julie uh from B Bum. Greg, what is Susie's? Susie's great um attribute is that she is so incredibly humble and she's honest and she's a hard worker. She's usually up before me, she's the last one going to bed, she's she's the typical first one in, last one out. Um, but, um, what I love about her is that she can see right through a situation and she is not afraid to just say it like it is. And that means a lot, not only as we grow as a family, um, but grow in our business. Um, and she, and she does it lovingly, but she's, she's not a beat around the bush type. It's, and I, I, I appreciate that. She has a heart of gold and that's, that's, I think her biggest attribute there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm trying to get caught up on the questions here. Um, and there's a there. I'm, I'm struggling to uh, keep my comments threads going here. But um, you're usually pretty good at that. But I think I'm, you're just I'm struggling. Such a, you're enjoying the talk, I guess. Uh, putting the questions in caps might help. Yep. Putting the questions in, in, um, in caps would be great. 
But uh, anyways, I think we, we we covered a lot tonight. We're we're at an hour and a half. We we definitely don't want these things to go on for two, three, four hours. Um, but I, I love you guys to death, really. And I can sit here and talk all night um, about bees. So I'm gonna we'll, we'll take two more questions, put them in caps um, at the very bottom, and then we're gonna jump off here for the night. Um, as the the last couple of questions um, come in, uh, Susie, what are you looking forward to on the homestead um, this week coming up? Well, this week coming up on the homestead, we are finishing up our, um, well, we've got a big week for, it's our co-op week on. And so that's, you know, typical homeschool stuff. But on the homestead, we will be, I'm going to finish out my chicken order that I was going to put in and was kind of just holding off to figure out what the kids might want to take for 4-H and the seeds i need to finish figuring out what exactly i have versus what i need and any little hauls i have along the way that i come home with <laughs> i have to categorize those because i did buy some seeds this weekend <laughs> i didn't spend much though so maybe i'll put that in one of the exclusive videos for the members a members uh, a members only video Susie's super seed haul. Yeah. Oops. Oh, well. That's uh. I won't apologize. No, no apologies for that one. No. <laughs> seeds, seeds are never bad that, things know, to have around. <laughs> you know, our, our, our folks tuning in tonight get it, but that is like the, this, the true wealth, you know, um, on, on seeds a home, and eggs. true <laughs> health and wealth in our life is, you know, shelves full of beautiful, colorful, canned, fruits and vegetables and meat and, you know, having uh, boxes with seeds, you know, kind of hidden away, tucked away. Um, and then bees that are out there in boxes. That's, that's like the epitome, I think of, of the wealth. And I think what things are um, so awesome for, okay, we got uh, the two last questions here, David Crest and, and Brandon Frost. Okay. Question. Uh, when do an oxalic acid treatment is the same amount used for those five frame nukes as it is, um, see when you do okay the question is yeah, when, when you, you do, do an oxalic yeah. treatment mm -hmm. is it the same amount used for those five frame nukes as it is for a 10 frame nukes okay so 10 frame okay five frame is 10 frame do you use the same amount of oa no i don't so what would i do on a 10 frame uh a 10 framer if i'm using um the instant vape um then i'm using a four gram for the most part four gram on those um during the in the Spring, summer, and early fall, I'm using a higher dosage of oxalic acid. When I get into the wintertime with less brood, I'm using lo a lower amount of oxalic acid because I think it's as or maybe even it's more effective because we have less brood. Okay. So that being said, what my typical strategy has always been, no matter if I'm using the Larabi's macro unit um, or I'm using an instant vape, on a 10 frame single, I'm using a four gram dose on the instant vape for most of the season. Uh, in the winter time, I'm using a two gram dose. Um, when we were treating like Thanksgiving, that was still a four gram, but in December, those treatments go down to like a two gram dose um, at solstice. We're at a two gram dose, and then we're getting ready to do the next round this week. I'm gonna go through and um, hit everybody again with the instant vape. It's so quick, it's so easy. It's like 18 seconds, a colony, 
I can boom. I can get. There's no excuse not to keep mites down this time of year um, with that instant vape. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing this week on the five framers. However, what I do is if it takes about 18 or 20 seconds, you on a 10 frame single, yeah. I do about five seconds into a five framer, and then five seconds into a five framer, and it, it just kind of you you'll get a rhythm and a flow. Um, so what I do is mine, you know, my, like our nukes are close. Our, our, a lot of our, our five framers, um, and our nukes that were overwinter, they're on stands yeah, they're and they're within, up. they're like what, 12 inches. They're just a box width apart. Right. And so I'm just, I'm sticking the instant vape, uh, in the, in the entrance and then yeah. boom, and then I'm going into the next one. And so I'm breaking out that 18 or 20 second time interval kind of in half to go into both. And that seems to work out. Um, really well. If that, if you wanted to be more specific with it, I guess you could do, you know, do a do, a, do two grams, you know, per five. I think was fine. We talked about um, if you, if you missed the um, what is the best mic treatment with Ian Stepler um, live stream that we did. Um, oh, yeah. Be sure to check that out after you after we get off here tonight, because um, we go into detail about oxalic acid, formic acid, apigard, thymol. Um, when these things are appropriate, when they're not, when they can cause problems. And yes, you can absolutely kill bees and run bees out with every single treatment, including oxalic acid. But you have to be a real knucklehead like me to do that. And if you want to learn more about that, check out that video. Oh, man, I wish I knew that one thing. Oh, that which, would have been good. Which one? No, that one? Nah, yeah, not that, that one. one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> So, so yes, you can, you can, um, so on a five framers, I just split my dose in half as I'm going through. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be doing tonight is, uh, or tonight, but gosh, being aware that your winter bees, there's less bed. of them. So, you yeah, know, yeah. It, this time of year summer, fall. With, with the, with the stock that we're running, our colonies are already smaller, um, with that Caucasian influence, they are a much smaller, um, of, of a situation. And so oh. there's a lot less brood there too. We have a bunch of, uh, super stickers that, that, uh, came in tonight. Uh, I've got to thank, uh, thank you so much, Kevin and Julie Monfelt, uh, B-Bum, um, Adams, Nebraska. Make sure you check them out for uh, some of the absolute best cream honey that I've ever had, including. Hide it from your kids, kids. It far, will be gone. Uh, what's what's the one I really like? Uh, Farful News. Fuffernessen. It's the, the black licorice flavor one. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So that's awesome. So definitely go check out B-Bum. I'm on the Facebooks and they're going to have a website up here pretty soon. Be sure to check them out. Yeah. And then uh, thank you, Yasmin from Sweden. Aww. I don't even know what SEK means, but I'm impressed that that's our first, I think, real foreign currency um, that came through. And she says, thank you for a good chat. Keep up the good work. Yasmin, thanks so much uh, for your support and your friendship. And I can't wait to get um, that video out. So I really do appreciate that. Um, I was, I was, um, going off on a on a ram on a rant there about um oxalic acid we do have a new member um who just joined the youtube channel and I want to thank you for that let's see where'd they go square square farms. square b farms so thanks yep. for joining up um uh, for the youtube membership we're trying to be a lot more um deliberate and intentional with the content that goes um, to the members too so uh, be on the lookout for what are we calling that one susie's super seed hall yes we're gonna, how how to uh, I'll show thousands you and thousands of pounds of produce. <laughs> what if I told, should I tell them, should I tell them how much we should save? You won't believe what she spent on seeds. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Seriously, you, you're going to want to check that one out. 
I did not blow my grocery budget on it, or did I? Oh, I guess someone's <laughs> not getting one of those um, five thousand dollar no! freeze dryers or whatever is it freeze dryer freeze dehydrators freeze dryer freeze mm-hmm. whatever. Well, you're gonna have to sell. You're gonna have to sell a lot of squash. You have to sell a lot of garden squash. I need my honey money. Oh my gosh, that's great. That's um, so so I, I really do appreciate Thank you guys. You guys, you're yeah, awesome. You guys are absolutely awesome. Um, oh, okay. Somebody oh, Jonathan Bennett. Cool. It. Yeah. So okay. one SCK is worth 95 USD. Cool. Aww, awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate Thank you guys. You Thanks so for the, the super stickers. Uh, Thanks for joining um, on the, the, the members only. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Um, since we have you guys here, what do you? What would you guys think about uh, a members only live chats where it's just us and a couple of the? It's just you know just every now and again just a, a direct Q and A right to Susie and I. We'll talk about anything you want to. Um, if you think that would be valuable, let us know and then maybe consider joining on the YouTube uh, the YouTube membership um, and we can we can connect there as well too. Um, there's so many things going through my mind right now. I was so exhausted um, before we got started, but now. I'm so pumped up and I'm thinking about so many things. There's so many things I want to talk about. There's so many things that I felt like I didn't do a good enough job explaining or talking about tonight that I want to continue to refine and focus because um, if anything, sharing our hard lessons learned and, and sharing the things uh, that are learning opportunities for others, that is what, that that's where my heart's at. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's where I want to take a lot of our messaging and our content and what we do to be that lighthouse to others um, is through um, not posturing, not pretending that we're something that we're not, not telling everyone, here's all the things that we did right and you should do them too. No, what I want to be able to share is the hard lessons learned, how we how we move through it, how we work through it, how we have built that the way that we have. And I think that's a, a, a truthful, honest and transparent way of just sharing this life on the homestead, on the farm as a large family trying to scratch out a living um, as bee farmers. Um, and so I'm going to thank you guys for all your support. Um, so many folks have been getting their new, their, their package and nuke orders in queen orders too. Yeah. We can't thank you guys enough. Um, that you really helps awesome. us a lot. Um, if you are considering um, uh, ordering packages, nukes or queens, um, if you're not familiar with who we are, we're a large family here in Zanesville, Ohio. Uh, and bee farming is our number one farm business. That's what we do to literally keep the lights on um, here at the farm. And so what we do is we raise nukes and queens. Uh, we sell supplies. Um, and what we're really passionate about is hands-on learning um, for not only our bee customers, um, but for military veterans. It's a way that we can serve those that have served us in our country. Um, and so if you are a military veteran um, and looking for some free hands-on learning, um, or if you're interested in joining us here at the Learning Yard and you want to buy a nuke or package, you can go to our website at naturesimagefarm.com. You can, of course, check all of our supplies and products there, but you can click on the, the Learning
Did good. Good job, guys. Okay. I think we might be back. I don't know. We I will, don't. We'll wrap it up, though. I don't know. Hopefully it saved. Oh, Hopefully man. Hopefully it saved. Uh, if it didn't save, hey, we had a good time. Before it kicks us off again, I just want to thank you guys uh, for spending some time with us tonight. We really appreciate you guys. You know, sometimes I stumble on my words. I can't find all the words and all the things that I want to say um, to let you guys know that I really do. We appreciate you guys. Um, so, uh, on the That. Internet came back.